0: Good morning. In just a few days, Brother Max Dawson will be here to preach on the subject, the glory of God. What a rich and nourishing spiritual feast will be set before us. Will you be here? Starting Friday night at 730, we ask you to pray for that effort pray for our brother Dawson and his wife to arrive safely, and let us use every means available to tell people what will happen here beginning Friday night. Now this morning, have you ever thought about how important singing has been to God's people for such a long time? in the daily Bible reading schedule many of us follow in just a few days in Exodus 15 we're going to read the song of Moses what a marvelous section of Scripture to read in the Old Testament I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms and throughout that document there are statements Many of us will remember like this one in Psalms 100 verse 1 shout for joy to the Lord all the earth and the next chapter begins I will sing of your love and justice to you O Lord I will sing praise and I know you're familiar with singing as referenced in the New Testament Mark 14:26 the disciples are singing with Jesus. In Colossians 3 and verse 16, Christians are to teach and admonish one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in their hearts to God. You heard earlier Ephesians five nineteen, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart singing is important to God's people but not just singing in general singing lyrics of spiritual truth based on God's Word to build each other up to express our praise to God And our love for Jesus Christ. If you're not singing, you're missing this. That God wants you to have. Here's what I want to put before us today. Our topic is not just music in general. Our singing and even spiritual singing. I have in mind this morning one thing. Jesus In our hymns, many of the songs that we use in our worship reflect our belief in Jesus Christ, our love for Him, our commitment to daily obedience as His disciples. I want to spend a few minutes with you to highlight that specific part of our worshiping in song and I'm going to call this Jesus in our hymns. And I've selected three for us to review. The objective is to remind us of our faith in Christ, and with that reminder, remind us of the value of expressing that faith in our singing. Tom led us In this one, a few minutes ago, near the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. I want us to reflect on that song for a moment and what it should mean to each of us. Pause to consider, what if there were no cross in history? No sacrificial death. No shed blood for the sins of the world. And so, no way for us to be forgiven of sins we've committed, and no way for us to have fellowship with God, no way for us to navigate life and the storms of life, and no way to have any steadfast hope of going to heaven. No cross. Any movement away from the cross of Christ any neglect of that historical truth, any forgetting of that atonement would obviously work to our dreadful disadvantage because Jesus did die for us on that cross. And it was God's plan. And we become participants in that plan for our individual salvation and our hope when we obey the gospel. So, of course, this ought to be our song. And it should strike us in a very direct way every time we sing it. Jesus, keep me near the cross. The cross is where we meet God. The cross is where we learn how horrible sin is. The cross is where there is unity between Jew and Gentile. The cross is where we learn of the love of God and the love of the Savior. Jesus, keep me near that cross. Through prayer, scriptural worship, Bible reading and study, the encouragement of Christians, gospel meetings, daily devotion, Jesus, keep me near the cross. In the cross... Be my glory forever. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. And may I add that in our preaching, the cross must be central. I want to read something to you from what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in meekness and in fear and in much trembling... And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul's preaching didn't just mention the cross, It wasn't just one of many subjects of equal value. In preaching the gospel, Paul made the cross of Christ central. Because, as I said a moment ago, the cross is where we can meet God. When you respond to the gospel, you are expressing your dependence on the cross for your salvation. We noted last Sunday morning, we are baptized into the death of of Christ. Let us reflect on all of that when we sing this song. And actually, let us reflect on all of this when we're not singing, but when we're living as disciples of Jesus Christ. Even though we saw thee not, Our faith is founded on the evidence and testimony of eyewitnesses. We were not there when Jesus was born. We didn't live there in his hometown to watch him grow up. We were not a witness to his baptism, the transfiguration, his miracles, his trials and suffering and death and his ascension into heaven. And so we sing this song We saw thee not. But what does it say? But we believe. We are Bible readers, and in this volume, we become convinced by the evidence. So we say to Jesus, we saw thee not, but we believe. And this expresses exactly what was written by Peter in 1 Peter 1 Eight, one of the eyewitnesses wrote this Whom having not seen, he said to Christians, You love. In whom, though now you see him not, you rejoice. Now, there may be occasions where we are mocked or criticized about our faith. Oh, you believe in Jesus, but you've never seen him. These statements are made by people who study history and who believe in kings and presidents and historical figures they've never seen. Based on the integrity of the history. Based on the transmission of good evidence by eyewitnesses and documents. Likewise, we believe in Jesus Christ though we saw him not. He came to this poor world of sin and death. We are convinced of that. He was lifted high. That wild and savage crew put him there. We've read that account in the New Testament. We believe the transmission of all the evidence of eyewitnesses and the accumulated history and documents. His footsteps trod in streets and plains. He was and is the Son of God. We believe And we sing what we believe, and it renews our faith. It expresses our praise to God. It causes us to say over and over to Him, Be glory forever and ever. Amen. You already have your book marked. 267, Jesus Loves Me. Let's talk about that, and some of you may remember before I've recited the interesting background. In about the year 1860, near the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, two young women decided to write a novel together. They were Bible readers and Bible students. They lived along the Hudson River in New York, and they would make various efforts to teach and influence young people and get young people to read their bibles. They also shared a passion for writing and so they decided to write a novel and as they wrote that novel their interest in Bible reading and Bible study emerged of course page after page. The novel was published in 1860 And the name of it was Say and Seal. And it was a moving story about a child who was dying. And the efforts of various people in the town to come and help and comfort that child and do whatever they could for the parents. The two young women who wrote this novel were Anna and Susan Warner. Highly educated, very skilled in reading and literary matters and music. Deeply devoted to Bible study and great poetic ability, their primary aim to get people to read their Bibles. In this novel, Say and Seal, one of the characters was a Mr. Linden, who lived in the village... And who would come from time to time to comfort the child, the dying child, by singing a song that he wrote, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You may notice in this song listing in our books, the writer is listed as Anna B. Warner. The music was then composed by William Bradbury, who also wrote Just As I Am and Sweet Hour of Prayer. Many of us would admit this song contains some of the first truth we were ever exposed to from the Word of God. When we were toddlers, when we were running around the house in our family setting we learned this song some of the first truth we ever learned we learned in this song after the eighteen sixties and the Bradbury composition the popularity of this song quickly spread the novel was forgotten the song was remembered in the early nineteen hundreds children would go to a Bible classroom And they would begin by singing the song, Jesus Loves Me. It's been translated into hundreds of languages all around the world. And I'll tell you what I remember. In 1981, I was on a preaching trip in the Philippines. And what an impression it made on me and the other preacher with me. When we went out into a jungle village, where we assumed in our ignorance, nobody knew what we knew. And we came to this village, and the preacher who had been visiting the village gathered all the little children around, soon as we arrived. And we heard little Filipino children on this remote island sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And here we are in 2020, and many children are still memorizing and learning this song. Have you ever noticed how personal this song is? It is not Jesus loves all of us or Jesus loves you, though those are biblically true. It is written to be personal. When Mr. Linden came to that dying child to teach the child that song, he wanted that child to repeat the song, Jesus loves me. It's very personal, and may I add, it may be that we sing it with some emotion of wonder and awe. And our thoughts may go in this direction, I'm not worthy of that love. I have sinned. I don't measure up. Yet Jesus loves me? That emotion can lead us to trust Him more, to repent of any sin we're guilty of, and to obey Him and dedicate the rest of our lives to Him who loved us and not just sing about Him but live for Him. The Son of God, the only Savior and King, the head of His church, the judge who is coming again. He will wash away my sin, heaven's gate to open wide. He has bled and died for me. The love of Christ compels us. According to Paul, 2 Corinthians 5.14, more about that tonight. So, why do we sing? Not just to fill up some time before the preacher gets up. Not a display of talent. Not to entertain. To edify us. Refresh and express our faith and love. And to praise God to whom... All glory is due. May we keep Jesus in our hymns and then may we keep him in our lives. Let's be standing as we sing.